2: Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
0: Level Up Human, the Comedy Science Podcast. Souping up the homo sapien. Hello humans, welcome to another episode of Level Up Human Extra, where we look into the headlines and look at what science is doing right now and how am I prepared for the future. I'm your host, Simon Watt, and I'm also joined by producer Rachel.
1: Hello. We are very excited today because... Yes, yes, very, okay. very excited. I tell me, Fine. I can't contain my excitement about... One of the items we have to talk about today. We're going to talk about lots of things. Mobilizing the body's immune system to fight cancer. Yes. One piece of knowledge to hand down to the apocalypse survivors. Ooh. Won't be me, but let's see what that's <laughs> going to be. I've got a laundry folding robot. Oh, come on. You can't just
0: mention yes. that now and gloss over. It's laundry folding
1: robot. Well, I mean, you know, inevitably, I just bring the stupid robot stories along, I'm afraid. And flying carts.
0: Okay, where should we start then?
1: Flying car. No, we shouldn't start there. We should start with something proper and serious. Some
0: actual news rather than made up Jetsons fantasies.
1: So um, go on, you start. You you bring the actual real thing.
0: (laughs) Well, I suppose the one that makes me happy is that we've got a new treatment against brain cancer. That is fantastic news. And the new treatment might be something a bit like the flu. Now, brain cancers are cells that are proliferating with, with nothing fighting against them. And what these injections of a mild flu-like virus do is these retroviruses will attack cells that are reproducing quickly, such as cancers. Mm-hmm. And basically, by marking them up, your body recognizes the cancer cells. Because that's the tricky thing with cancer is it's, it's, it's insidious. It hides. Because it is made up of your own cells, your body is not very good at identifying it. But your body is good at finding viruses and things. So it's another way of getting our immune system to kind of uh, kick-started. It basically says, oi, these cells, got something going on, attack them now.
1: So the flu virus is very good at identifying cells which are multiplying quickly and attacks them. And then your body goes, hang on, there's something going on here.
0: A little bit. It's, It's not flu itself, but something a bit like flu. It's a common virus. And this is not a new, new technique. They've been recently doing research into Zika and trying to inject that directly into some brain tumour cells to help mm-hmm. kill them off during surgery. And it's it's not good enough. It's not one of those things that will ever completely cure cancer, but if used alongside chemotherapy, radiotherapy, other treatments, it'll hopefully you know enhance survival rates or at least give people a bit longer.
1: That's a good bit of positive news to kick yeah, off. Yeah, that's a happy medicine.
0: beginning, again, for 2018, whenever we're feeling, oh, I still feel like I've been... Kicked in the stomach by last year and the rest of time until now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Let's not dive into a pit of despair too early in the podcast. Well, I've told
0: you about cancer treatments. Tell me something about these flying cars.
1: Well, we are at the white paper stage of flying cars, admittedly, so I'm getting ahead of myself. But there are 15 startups at the moment which are working on flying cars. Over half of them are American. They have over $300 million in funding between them, which which isn't a lot, to be honest, in the grand scheme of things. But they are definitely gaining visibility and they are working on real-world solutions to some of the problems facing flying cars. Like, for example, vertical takeoff and landing is a big problem. Controlling the airspace is going to be a significant problem. But I think, basically, we're going to see over the next 10 to 15 years Loads of stuff about drones flying around and crashing into each other and crashing into buildings and killing people. That'll all happen. And at some point, they'll realise that there needs to be some very serious overhaul of the way that we govern the the air based on the fact that very soon there are going to be these little hovercraft slash electric jet engine planes flying around everywhere we're not really talking about flying cars in that you're driving along and then you press a button and your car just takes off off the motorway and flies into the air it's more like you go to the top floor of a building and there's a helipad on the roof but there are
0: So it's a helicopter.
1: Five or six helicopter-like things which you can get in and go somewhere really quickly, which is pretty cool uh, in itself. And even Uber have a a very swanky video on their website of their Elevate project, which which is essentially that, that you will go up to the top of a building get in a little plane and and fly somewhere. Which is all very... I mean, it's all very beautiful. It's all very sepia-tinged, kind of like this business lady goes up and gets in the Uber and then goes home to her daughter. And that's I not... I feel
0: that... I can taste the vomit in my mouth at this very minute from the That's anybody's saccharine.
1: experience of Uber, is it? It's like what they should have a picture of is a man off his tits on <laughs> of ices. Like... <laughs> vomiting out of the window of a oh, of a biplane.
0: That'll be the downside, won't Because 'Cause we're now talking like high velocity vomit plummeting yeah. round us all on a Friday night. Yeah. As the drunks go home. And
1: you're gonna have to have a very good Uber rating to be allowed to get in a in a flying car, is all I can say. Why is
0: why is this a good thing? Go on, tell me more. What, like what's like because this this is one of those sort of things, isn't it, that we've always thought that we're was going to do the future, you know? This has been in every sci-fi movie, right? The way back to movies being invented as these flying. I think it, I transport. think it is
1: uh, undisputably going to happen in not as many years as you might think. Twenty years, maybe there will be flying cars actually available to buy. I don't. Okay.
0: I think there's some major flaws still of this entire thing, which is mainly that humans weigh quite a lot. Like we're we're heavy cargo. Mm -hmm. Like the thing which has made drones so fantastic is that all the kit that goes into a drone has got uh, lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. And basically, the software which allows you to keep things stable has got, you know,
1: well, you say that, but they don't get smaller. The, the biggest one of these uh, 15 startup companies is called Lilium, and it's a German uh, av- avionics company, is that the right word? But they've just done their first maiden flight. So it's a two-person electric jet plane, and, and it's successfully managed to take people a short distance. Yeah, but
0: you're just telling me again that helicopters exist here. Like, what's, what's the... Well, no,
1: but, it, but when we say flying cars, it is going to be helicopters and hovercraft type things and little planes. It's not actually flying cars in the Jetsons way. Yeah,
0: but the bit we're talking about really amounts to a change in the regulation. It's the it's thing of yes. airspace and the like.
1: Airspace. Well, that's really the issue, I think, is, is having lots and lots and lots of small... Airplanes in the sky, rather than actually can we create... It's not so much the technology as the logistics, I think, that's going to be the major problem, but they will sort it.
0: I don't want them in the sky.
1: I like clouds. You don't want anything in the sky. You basically want to go back to living in caves, poking a stick into a fight when
0: would you have ever said that before <laughs> i think we found like the one issue where i'm not for progress because i don't see this one as progress. that's true you do
1: want to live forever which is absolutely nuts
0: saying so. no, because else this is not going to ever be like a public transport thing is it this is just one of those sort of well okay rather than making trains work and having an eco-friendly good way of getting masses of people around let's have more tiny little no, private enterprise
1: there are going to be ones which act more like a bus
0: an Airbus, an yeah, actual Airbus, an
1: actual Airbus, an Airbus are investing ha- heavily in this technology, as are Toyota. So there are some proper, proper companies behind it. It's not just crazy startups that you've never heard of, and and the okay, and this, the electric jet is going to clean up the airspace.
0: The thing which will make which I'm getting where I'm really arguing with you here, I suppose, is that what makes an, a a sky car a sky car is that it's something you can hop in and go off wherever you like. So the thing which makes planes different, of course, is they've got their own routes, they've got their own timetables, they've got things that are agreed, they've mm-hmm. got places to land, they've got places to take off from. Mm. Whereas the car, other than sticking to the road, you're, you're free to go at any time anywhere.
1: I mean, this is exactly this is, not gonna happen. this is exactly the argument that would have been made when the first petrol car came on the market back in, insert date. You, you would know that sort of thing. Come on, pub quiz. when. What's the question? (laughs) When was the first car? Oh, no idea. Okay. When the first car companies were just starting to produce cars, and most people still traveled by horse-drawn transportation, right, people would have said, well, this is absolutely nuts. There is no way that the The... horse-drawn society is going to change. We are not all going to suddenly be... Jetting off everywhere in petrol-driven cars, you are nuts. No, I think
0: you miss my and point, which is that they use the same roads. The infrastructure for the car was already in existence because of the coach. The infrastructure for the infrastructure these flying was ones. was not won't be.
1: metal. Roads were not available uh, everywhere.
0: Yes, like I with metal roads, the we M4, have now. What
1: you know? Metal. When I say metal roads, <laughs> I mean I mean metalled roads like tarmac. Is tarmac? Metal was co- this well, a thing? It's, it, here is where my very confident statement goes off kidding? the rails. You talk about metalled roads.
0: I've never heard that phrase. Are before ones my life.
1: with tarmac on? Are you serious? Uh, I am serious. I may also be wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look this you up. You look that up. I'll Metal drink some
0: roads.
2: Tea.
0: Well, do you know what? It's well, Google. Google is saying this exists. Applying gravel or metalling has two distinct uses in road serving. It's gravel.
1: Normally I would edit this sort of thing out, but because it conclusively proves that you're wrong, I'm going to leave it in. Hey, hey it
0: hasn't proved you right, Taylor, here, if you're going to be like that. Oh. It has,
1: because we're talking about metalled roads, which are a thing.
0: Yeah, that well-known metal, gravel.
1: What? It's called met I didn't say it was made of metal. I said it's called metalling.
0: Applying gravel or metalling has two distinct usages in road surfacing. This is too boring for me to continue reading. Well, i want to stop there ne- and just take it like you're right.
1: Okay. Uh, Oh,
0: actually, it's derived from the Latin metallum, which means both mine and quarry. So metals are, I guess, from the Latin meaning from a quarry.
1: Thank you very much. So uh, back when there weren't very many cars, people would have said, we can't have cars on the roads. That would be completely insane. They're going to go too fast. They're going to kill people. And, And admittedly, you know, to start with, I'm sure that that was the case and a lot of people died. And I worry, actually, about the initial attempts to control the logistics of many, many, many small vehicles in the air, including drones, because you can imagine you can imagine that, that the bad accidents that are going to happen and the enormous amount of processing power that it takes to control the amount of helicopters that there are in the air over London, for example, at the moment, what we are going to have to have is enormous amounts of infrastructure controlling the airways. And it may even be the case that you shouldn't be allowed to have self-driving flying cars that they all have to be controlled so that they are all controlled all at once you're not
0: going to need your self-driving you're not but going to need your sky car license
1: you'll have to have a different license you have to have a different license absolutely if it's not
0: driven by you surely you don't need a license actually that's one of the things we've never mentioned in our ai car discussions is that at last you don't need a license to drive
1: Come correct on. yeah cool you won't but your car will need to be licensed will it yeah, because it'll probably have to patch into a network so it knows where everything yes, else is as yes, well. Yes, 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 exactly. So that's the thing. You see, this is the interesting thing, is having a system where all parts of the system know where each other are, which mm. may be what we have when driverless cars are the norm. And so, therefore, maybe be what we have when driverless uh, flying cars are the norm. Anyway, I think this is going to happen, and it's very, very exciting. So I'm going to be following uh, the 15 startups, and let's see what happens. There's going to be lots of mergers. Um, it's it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, um,
0: exciting mergers. Yeah,
1: mergers are mergers. <laughs> okay, I, I know I get too excited about technology companies, um, and I get obsessed with. You, do, you
0: love the corporate end, don't you? Yeah, I do actually.
1: Yeah, I do. I don't know why because I got don't
0: a crush on Elon
1: Musk. I've got a crush on Elon Musk. I've got a crush on. I tell you what, I don't have a crush on Jeff Bezos, right? But I do have. I do have an absolute obsession with the crest of his company, Blue Origin.
0: Blue Origin. Look
1: up the company crest of the company Blue Origin. It's owned by Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon. It is, its Latin motto is Graditum Ferocita, which means step by step ferociously. And it features two rampant tortoises reaching up to the solar system.
0: Okay, it's got these two tortoises
1: standing kind of
0: like Ninja Turtles, I suppose, gesturing up towards the sky. Yeah, those well-known flying creatures, the tortoise.
1: It's all from the Aesop's fable, though, isn't it? The tortoise and the hare. So what what Jeff Bezos is basically saying is that he is going to ferociously, systematically make steps towards first suborbital space travel and then proper space travel. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if this company is one of the ones that ends up with developing some of this. When when you say, tell me what the benefits are, the benefits are walking through town Going into a skyscraper, going up to the top floor, getting a helicopter and getting to my dad's house in Norfolk in 10 minutes without having to check into an airport and get dropped.
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
1: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: I'm going to wear the spoons for two hours.
0: Okay, Nobody wants- else is doing it as well. Nope, don't like it fine
1: excellent well that's good we came to a conclusive conclusion of that right next laundry folding robots
0: oh go on
1: (laughs) (laughs) so the great thing about robotics advancing really super quickly is how little housework i'm going to have to do when i'm old because we're going to have laundry folding robots which are going to fold up all the clothes put them away for me i've already got the robot hoover Essentially, I am now on gin tonics for the next 50 years.
0: This is making the word robot very apt, because I know it comes from the Czech word robota, meaning uh, slave, more or less. So you're taking, like, domestic slave to a whole new... Yeah. You just like Lady, hence also your robotic hoover that you already have, your slave Alexa who plays all your music. You're just I, waiting for folding as the next I one. I
1: just like not having to do housework. Because I'm with you there, I've man. I've got podcasts to edit, man. I've got other stuff to do.
0: So we're all going
1: to have... Uh, Folding robots? I suppose I suppose the thing you've got to imagine is, imagine the dishwasher.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm not against this one. I'm just amazed that this we're is, ta-
1: It's not going to be interesting. This isn't interesting, okay? It's not interesting. It's just the fact that that's just going to be what you have, is laundry folding robots, dishwasher, washing machine, tumble dryer, robot cleaner.
0: Yeah, but I brought a story about a new cure for cancer, and you brought a story about
1: right fine right, let's move on to one piece of knowledge to hand down to the apocalypse survivors then in that case if you want serious oh, this, okay
0: this is an opinion one actually so uh, our twitter followers and things please get in touch what would you pass on to the next generation i think it's simple personally
1: it's not the next generation it's the apocalypse survivors it is the
0: next generation
1: <sighs> okay genuinely it is <laughs> the next generation okay so the apocalypse has happened We've got a small band of humans who are going to repopulate the Earth if they survive. And what we want to know, Simon Watt, is what one piece of scientific information, or any information, would you like to give them, well, th- if you can only a... give them one?
0: This is Okay, this is a personal thing, isn't it? And I very much agree with Donnie Darko, if you've ever seen that film. It was something it's I thought great beforehand. Because um, they ask this very same question, and it's, you soup, like the stopping the spread of contagious disease and infectious disease by washing our hands has probably had the biggest effect on saving lives of anything we've ever done. The understanding of germ theory is probably also one of those bits of knowledge which then leads you to a better understanding that there's a microscopic world that you can't see. Mm. Yeah. So I think germ theory, personally.
1: I mean, even if I could just tell my kids that, that would be quite useful.
0: (laughs) You can tell them, can you make them actually do it? They're not the interested question. in
1: doing it. They're just like, why should I do that? Because of germs. I haven't got any germs. They're really small. I can't see them. But, the, the, the number of correct. times I've had this argument with them, it's just like, will you just wash your hands?
0: But if you break them and you instill the paranoia, you'll turn them into hard use. You know hard use?
1: You'll have to explain that.
0: Do you, do you know hard use? The, like The pioneering aviator guy?
1: Uh, this well, is one died. of those things, this is yet another void in my knowledge. Go on, tell me.
0: Well, he just—he he was one of the world's richest men. He was a pioneer, very much an Elon Musk of his day, uh, to many degrees. I fancy him already. Um, he was played by Leonardo DiCaprio in a film, if that makes you fancy him more or less.
1: Okay. Anyhow. Uh, but he, how did he... Uh, he not... just
0: died as a recluse, convinced that he couldn't leave his house because of germs everywhere.
1: Oh, so what you're saying... Oh, I see, right, okay. So you can so they either make
0: to- your children not die of a basic strap infection or something by washing their hands, or you can turn them into paranoid freaks.
1: Right, okay. So there's, there's a there's a middle ground there somewhere where I get them to wash <laughs> their hands, but not obsessively. Yes. Okay, fine. Well, that's that's what I'm going for. That's very much my parenting philosophy is like get them somewhere in the middle ground be- between disgusting and reclusive. So, uh, good. Um... <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like how simple it is. Use soap.
0: Oh, I've got a better. I've got another one. Uh, this is a very British one. You know, you'll like this. Go on. Drink tea. Yes. Um. Partly because it'll help them get over the crisis that is the end of the world.
1: Assuming there's any tea there well, Or a functioning.
0: That, that would be a nightmare scenario. Wouldn't sort it? of
1: situation where you can boil water.
0: Well, that's the whole point. Is there is several arguments that perhaps drinking of things like tea and making beer and whatnot also really advanced our species because we were boiling our water. But come on, what's your, what's your advice if you're going to be, pass on one bit of information?
1: I mean, the chances of me actually being one of those survivors are so small that I, I just don't think I'm the one. I'm not going to be the fittest character the out thing there. Is,
0: if you survive, then you're taking a whole bunch of information with you. So it's like you're sending... You've got one tweet to the next.
1: Well, you're you're absolutely right that the very concept, the conceit of this is flawed because you're assuming that the apocalypse survivors have no memory. Yeah. Which, of course, they do. Oh, by the way, I might be a super recognizer. You might be one. Yeah, I think so.
0: Uh, you've been doing Julia Shaw's test, haven't you? That
1: I haven't done it yet. And the people who think that they're super recognizers generally aren't. So I might not be. Okay, oh, explain
0: what a super recognizer well, is. Well, so
1: there's a thing there's a thing where there are people who are extremely good at recognizing faces. Yes. Um now I consider myself to have a superpower in this situation, in that I can I can recognise people and know that I've met them before for definite. Yes. You know when you have those conversations with people where they're like, "Have we met before?" I'm always like, "No, we haven't," uh, and I know we haven't, or I know, or I definitely know that we have. And also, I can track actors like throughout loads of programs, and I'm always like, "That was the guy out of this thing." Yeah, I think my face recognition is just good, right? Yes. But, uh, and, and apparently there is an actual thing called super recognizers, which is humans who are particularly good at this. Yeah. However, it did say in the article that the people who think that they are super recognizers generally aren't. But they're apparently very useful and can be used by the police to, uh, you know, we're not at a stage yet where AI can do this reliably. People, these super recognizer people can pick out people in crowds in a way that computers so far can't, and can be used by the police to to look at, like, you know, riots or pick out people who might be interesting for terrorism-related reasons. I don't know.
0: You're interesting for terrorism (laughs) reasons. I just Uh, like the phrase of
1: interesting with that. That seems to work well. You know what I mean. Would you like to come on our talk show? I can just imagine that what they've got is this um, online test, Are You a Super Recognizer? Which I should really have done before talking about it, but I just haven't. I've been, you know, doing the folding that I have to do before I get my <laughs> laundry folding robot. Um, so you can do this test online. Are you a super recognizer? And if you are, you might be able to help with uh, tasks like this that the police need doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I quite like the idea of being paid to go into the MI5 building and just look at footage and go, it's definitely, absolutely 100% is Mark Heap. Wow. For example,
0: do you know I've, I'm I'm kind of similar in terms of like I I'm not on the test I'm not even good to claim to be a super recognizer but I'm I'm at least reasonably good at it mm. now names are a completely different thing but recognizing people my my wife by contrast cannot tell who's been in what film ever
1: well this is what Julia Shaw says in the article that she was actually describing was the fact that she is really really close to being to actually having a problem in that she she generally doesn't recognize anybody yes from before. Whereas I don't have that at all. I'm like, no, I know who I've met. Absolutely. If I saw their face, I would know whether I'd met them before. I'm not good at joining the names up with people, but then that's different. I
0: wonder if there's the same thing with voices, because those would be two very different parts of the brain. So I know in the case of this uh, visual one that you're talking about, the people who seem to have an enhanced ability at recognizing faces basically treat whole faces as a new object, so to speak. mm Whereas people who are particularly bad at it are effectively treating like the eyes and the nose and all the different bits that make up a face as sort of separate entities. So it's kind of like if you see a new face, you've learned a whole new thing.
1: That's a completely lunatic way to look at somebody. Why would you do that?
0: Well, it's what we do anyway. Like actually one of the reasons why we're so good at uh, telling people apart, even if they're closely related, is because our brains are particularly adept at looking for micro differences in that triangle that links up our eyes and our nose.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I bet you in that case, you could well be a bad facial recognizer, but you still might have a thing for voices. I bet that's an entirely different system.
1: Possibly. I think I'm quite good at that as well, but that that's 15 years You're working in the sociable. radio industry. <laughs> no, that's just listening to adverts and going, oh, that's <clears throat> that bloke again. See, that, that, see, I can't even remember the name. of who's, What's that bloke out of the office? Ricky Gervais? No, the other one.
0: The other one. You said Mark Heap earlier. He shows up in lots of radio No, not Mark Heap. The other one. The one who was the
1: Hobbit. Oh, Martin Freeman. See, I can't even remember. That's how bad I'm. Absolutely horrific at names. So Martin Freeman, who's like super famous and I should have been able to remember like that. Couldn't remember his name, even though I can see his face.
0: Yeah.
1: But like, so I, I recognize people's voices on the radio because I try and work it out. It's like a little game I play. Working out the voiceovers. You know, until Google takes over and does all the voiceovers. Voice for, is on. This is going to be the end of voiceover artists, I'm ashamed. to. I'm upset to say. Yeah. Is the fact that AIs can now recreate voices and and do emotion and inflection stuff. Which is more actually than people How can. How does society
0: function without
1: actors? Even on the tube the other day at King's Cross, I noticed that the, the PA announcements were being made by a robotic voice, which was all kind of like, you know, word, individual words which had been hooked up into a sentence. And it sounded ridiculous. I was like, can we not get somebody to actually just record the I'm... announcement? Even just somebody who works here. I don't need it to be professionally there's, done. There's
0: something even better. I would just like a real human to apologize rather than a machine.
1: Simon, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, for the trains. No, well, actually, you've probably got enough. What have you done?
1: Uh, well, I, I just apologize You're guilty conscious. everything. Right I've now cleared myself of everything. Anyway, what else do we have to... Um...
0: No, come on. We're, we're not finished with this because I've got a. To... So you're talking about the facial recognition thing. My, my, I'm not a super one, but I'm definitely enough to freak several people out.
1: This is what it said in the article, is that the people who have this super recognising thing have to tone it down in order not to completely terrify people. And I have done that on several occasions. I'd be like, oh yeah, Northern Line 2005.
0: <laughs> I told a guy uh, once, we had met before, and he said, no, no, we haven't, I'm sure we haven't. I said, yeah, you were wearing a Napalm Death t-shirt.
1: He's longer hair at the time. This is this is exactly what I do, and it's really scary because I've only recently worked out not to say things like that to people.
0: I've got I've got some uh, kind of the opposite if you want. There's a good story in terms of our understanding of our past DNA rather than just our future one. So basically, very recently they dug up an Alaskan infant, and this DNA tells the story of some of the first ever Americans. So this remains are eleven thousand five hundred years old thereabouts from an infant girl, and they pretty much say that the the native peoples of America are coming across uh, from Siberia around about that time, which goes to show that President Trump is just reaffirming connections to Russia right now and trying to make America Russian again.
1: That's nice. When you say our ancestor, how do we know that's our ancestor and not just a... Well, it's
0: not our ancestor because we're here in the UK. This is well, an okay. ancestor to the, the first people to arrive in America. Now, but the it- question is also like how many times have people arrived in America. We know like some Norse folk got there a long time ago. The Vikings were there before Columbus. So there's been a couple of wee influxes, but the majority of Native American DNA seems to be descended from uh, northern Siberian DNA.
1: Interesting. Have we got any gigs we want to talk about? All right. Uh, If you're in Sheffield
0: on the 1st of February, head off to see uh, their FameLab regional heat. I'll be comparing and telling some jokes and things. How about you, Rich? What you got coming up?
1: Uh, 1st of February, I'm at the Freedom Fridge again. Hooray! And on the 8th. Um, but then on the 17th of February, we are both going to be at Brighton Science Festival doing a show called Dead Talks, which is talks about obsolete scientific theories. So things that everybody used to think were true and actually turned out to be nonsense. 17th of February in the salis Theatre in Brighton. That's it for this week. If you've got any suggestions or stories you think we should cover, please tweet us. At Level Up Human.
0: See you later. Bye. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Weely, and supported by the Welcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com.
1: to know which Winnie the Pooh character saved lives, what woman was an opera singing nun who stole the prince's girlfriend, and which guru from Tibet was actually an unemployed trustmaker from Devon, then listen to the Zedless Deadlist podcast with me, Izzy Lawrence, where I ask a load of guests to tell me about their favourite obscure person from history. Guests include Dan Carlin, Helen Zoltzman, Simon Watt, Griffiths-Jones, Paul Sinha, Richard Herring, Zoe Lyons, John Ronson, and many, many more. Please visit ZedlessDeadless.com or Izzy, that